Hey everyone, this is Rachel Meliotis. I am a strategic content director here at O'Reilly Media, and I am here with Dr. Joost Visser, head of research at the Software Improvement Group, which you might know as SIG. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. So you are actually um, based in Amsterdam, and uh, Software Improvement Group is a consultancy there. Can you tell me just a little bit about your mission there? Oh yeah, um, so indeed we're in Amsterdam, but um, we have uh, customers uh, all over uh, uh, Europe and also beyond. And what we do for them is to um, basically look at their uh, source code of their software systems and see whether everything is okay there, whether the uh, quality uh, levels that they uh, want to achieve are being achieved or not. And if not, of course, to come up with all kinds of recommendations and help them improve to get these systems right. So so you talk about something I think that that people think about a lot and try to figure out how to deal with which is software quality and and therefore in a lot of cases software improvement and I like that you your company and you actually just call it out and say okay we need to actually improve this and so what you will talk about is um, some ways of doing that and so I know one of the ways is by assembling uh, a great team can you talk a little bit about that yeah, sure. Um, good products come from the hands of, uh, of the professional people, of course. Um, so a good um, team of software engineers, I think they are characterized, first of all, by having a common goal, working for the same thing. If you are uh, uh, differing in where you want to go, then um, usually that doesn't help. But another very important ingredient uh, is to have a common understanding of what is good quality code? What is your base level of quality that you want to achieve? That is a really great point. And I think I would imagine that that comes from uh, at the beginning, talking to the team and realizing that quality is important right from the beginning. And, and how do you implement that? Are there best practices or workflows? Yes. So quality um, is somehow, uh, to many people, quality is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's many different uh, perspectives on quality, uh, many um, yeah, different uh, uh, viewpoints. And that doesn't help. Then you, uh, then you talk about it a lot, but don't do it. So you have to get a common understanding on it. And uh, it does cover a lot of aspects. It co covers, of course, uh, the skills of people. It, covers the work processes, but it also definitely covers the software product itself. And um, to have good, clear standards of what you find acceptable and what not, um, and share that throughout the team and uh, respect those uh, rules that you set is very important. Sure. So, so setting standards, I think, is a great way to put it. Um, can you give me an idea of what uh, a standard would be? Is it something... Um, I could imagine something that has to do with, uh, you know, measuring against a certain standard or um, making sure that you do something like that something works, you know, nine out of 10 times or 10 out of 10 times. Um, yeah. So um, let me let me approach this in a very basic level. So, for instance, one of the things that goes wrong a lot in uh, software quality is uh, duplication creating more code by simply duplicating something that already worked, making a couple of changes and continuing. This is not good practice. Okay. Now, uh, setting a standard around duplication um, uh, can mean, for instance, as simple as we agree that in our code base there will be no more than, let's say, 3% uh, 
or 5% of the code lines that are duplicated. It's as simple as that, but it's rarely uh, uh, done this way. Uh, rarely do teams actually have a concrete agreement on, uh, on this type of things. So I th that's really interesting. So why do you think people don't take the time to say something like, okay, we're only going to duplicate 5%? Um, so a lot of the lack of time, of course, comes from the, the, uh, the strong need of producing more and more functionality. We're primarily working against um, uh, use cases, user stories that need to be implemented. Somebody out there is waiting for new functionality. So that's where our prime, prime focus is normally. And um, the, these quality notions that I just mentioned, they're on the technical level. They're not visible on the outside. So if um, you as engineers uh, worry about it, that's one thing. But if your clients are not, don't see it, then why would you do that? Right. So, so we often talk about um, software being good enough, and I think it would be hard to create a perfect uh, piece of software or software project. So uh, the standards, I would imagine, help you get pretty close to perfection, but you also have to be realistic. And, you know, you have time, time constraints, budget constraints. How do you put, put together a standard that is acceptable to your team, to your clients, to consumers? Yeah, so indeed, if we had um, infinite time, we would all uh, work for perfection. Sure. But so software engineering is is uh, uh, also um, uh, subject to the laws of economics. We have uh, uh, scarce resources that we have to use wisely, so we have to make choices. So um, even if, uh, yeah, for instance, if I take the same example, Zero percent of uh, of duplicated lines would be uh, would be the ideal. That's uh, what you would like to like to have in an ideal world. But that's not realistic. You have to set it at a different level that is good enough that helps you um, have this common uh, level of quality that helps you uh, uh, create code that is easy to extend, easy to understand, etc. But doesn't go for these extra miles that are not quite needed. Sure. So, so you've convinced me, and I'm sure your engineering teams and your clients that software quality is important. But how do you message that to the larger uh, company outside of the engineering team? Yeah, that's not uh, not trivial. Um, I think many software engineers have experienced this. If they try to explain uh, things about why they need to refactor something or why they still write, want to write a couple more test cases to somebody that's not in the team or not even in uh, the software engineering domain, then uh, uh, quickly they will be met by uh, misunderstanding or lack of understanding. And people will just ask, okay, but why don't you just give me this new feature as fast as possible? Right. Um, so you have to make this issue somehow uh, visible and you have to explain it. It's the responsibility we have as software engineers to explain uh, to other stakeholders why this is important. And I would imagine that, so that's all about communication and I think using terms that are understandable to people outside of engineering. So, you know, there's a balance between, you know, I would imagine that you, you know, you want to have secure code, you want to have code that doesn't have a lot of bugs, but you also need, as we mentioned before, that you need to keep to a schedule and you need to keep to a budget. So I would think that when you're talking to people outside of the engineering team, you talk about what the company needs, roadmaps, return on investment, that type of thing. Um, 
Do you have any um, examples of how um, is best to do this or is best to show, you know, concretely why this balance between, you know, fast and cheap and quality, um, re there really needs to be a balance there? Yes. Yeah, so um, in our experience, um, what really helps is to explain, um, first of all, what the uh, level of quality is not in terms of code, but in terms of something simpler. So for instance, what we use is simply, we use star levels. We say, okay, we want to have four star code, not two star code. We have an actual concrete meaning to what that means in terms of all kinds of uh, software engineering terminology, but outside the team, we can communicate in this way. And that's part of it to make it very easy to communicate in that way. And the other part is to explain what the consequences are of having higher or lower level code. Many people will think that having a higher quality code, it will be more expensive because most products, higher quality means more expensive. In, uh, in software, this is the other way around. Um, by keeping your code clean and small, you can develop, extend it, maintain it um, with less effort, which is cheaper. So better code is actually cheaper. No, that's, that's great. That actually makes a lot of sense to me, the consequences. Because, you know, in and of itself, the code base may not mean something to, um, you know, a stakeholder outside engineering, but the consequences of what that software will exactly. or won't do um, would, I think. Um, so a another concept that I think is super, super important that is not brought up by enough people that um, SIG talks about is maintainability. And so, you know, today we launch apps and um, as you've mentioned, we want to add features, um, you know, we need to clean things up. So how do you, how do you um, balance the, the idea of, okay, short term, we want to get this out and long term, we want to incorporate features. Do you have a way of doing that, um, that keeps the code base, um, you know, a maintainable balance level so you don't introduce errors? Yeah, indeed. So. So the concept of maintainability indeed speaks to this long-term effect. And long-term is not uh, years and years from now necessarily, though of course software systems tend to exist quite a couple of years, uh, but it, it's, it's already on the shorter term. So um, by short term, if it basically um, we're talking about the next feature, the next release, the next uh, uh, sprint maybe, long-term is what comes right after that. And maintainability speaks to that, saying that if you can keep your code base clean um, and structured in the right way with small uh, units, with low complexity, with the right structure, the right use of libraries, for instance, then you have maintainable code, which means the consequence of that is that extending it with new functionality, resolving bugs that are, that are uh, without a doubt in there somewhere, um, bring, bringing out uh, patches and upgrades is going to be much more economic to do. I would imagine that this actually goes back to creating a strong team and a set of standards and that, you know, depending on whoever in the team is doing the maintenance, you know that it's going to be done in a certain way. And I think that that, my guess is, would probably help with implementing new features. Um, what sort of bugs you can expect, what sort of patches that you might have to put in later. Is that correct? Yeah, so, um, but let me catch you there because maintain, 
maintainability is not only relevant for the maintainers. Mm -hmm. The maintainers come later, maybe. Um, but in fact, nowadays, uh, the maintenance phase is typically very soon after the initial development. We, we try to release early. We try to have sure. viable products out there. So maintenance starts very quickly. So actually, all developers benefit from higher maintainability. Basically, when I program something with high maintainability today, then tomorrow I already benefit from that because it's easier to do my next step in, in, in building out my, my, my system. So maintainability is not for, for the very long term for maintainers that are just going to take out some bugs. It's relevant for everybody. Sure. No, no, I, absolutely. I have, I have sort of a random question. So we've talked about um, when you're creating a software project uh, from the beginning. What happens if you, you go into one where there's already a code base that exists? How difficult is it to insert, you know, the quality and the balance and the maintainability that we're talking about? Oh, this can, can be quite challenging. Um, so a big code base that is of very low quality, very low maintainability is, uh, is uh, potentially extremely difficult to, to uh, get to the right quality level. So typically what you do is you will um, focus, for instance, on the areas where you need to uh, work on, where you are going to make your changes and adaptations and do a bit of renovation, refactoring there to get into a better position for that. To really go through the entire code base, which might be uh, many man years of work might be in there, is, is quite challenging. There are some tools that can help you with that to do your refactorings automatically. Um, it's all possible, it's doable, but you have to make a trade-off. Um, because if you're going to really invest into quality uh, for a longer period of time on a big code base, um, it might be more economical to not do that and uh, start over. Or I always wonder that, actually. You know, at what point, and this is what you're talking about, um, figuring out, you know, does it make sense to use, you know, an older language, um, say Java, which I know is used everywhere, to, to use something that was created in Java, say, I don't know, 20 years ago, and um, to update that? Or, or how do you know when to say, okay, you know what, we're going to keep that running and try and keep that um, maintained, but we're going to try and start something new over here in Python or whatever language you want to start because this, yeah. this, and this. Yeah, um, these, are, these yeah. are big decisions to take that you have to try to take not on the basis of a gut feeling. Yeah. But on the basis of uh, yeah some some real engineering uh, um, uh, considerations, so that means knowing what the quality level is across the board in this system and what the quality level is for particular pieces that you may or may want to keep or uh, replace. Um, you uh, so this is a big decision that's also not taken by an individual engineer typically. Sure. This is what also not by the team. You, you need to get uh, the architect in there. You have to also know what the alternatives are. If you, if you are a Java engineer and you have to choose between uh, doing this, uh, um, keeping on in, in, in Java in this system or switching to another language, you're not the appropriate person to make that trade-off. You have right. broader for that, for that knowledge. So, um, yeah, there are these big decisions to be taken there and quality is a very important consideration in there and um, the individual engineers um, uh, typically they focus on and, and, uh, 
the smaller and the shorter term decisions and similar decisions need to be taken on the basis of, on, on the level of single modules or packages or whether to use a library or not or to to extend the, uh, a front end using more java or going for some framework things like that mm -hmm. are relevant in the, in the day to day sure definitely and i think you know again it goes back to standards and i think the the flip side of standards is the idea and i was looking around on your website before uh this uh interview and and it's about measurement and i think uh, a quote from there was you cannot control what you cannot measure so talk a little bit about how important measuring and testing and validation all that is yeah so it's 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 very important uh, in all the mean in the beginning i already said that quality for many is in the eye of the beholder and the antidote against that is of course yeah to make things fact-based the, the the decisions need to be fact-based and facts are 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 um uh, for instance measurements um and yeah there is a lot of uh, measurement support out there actually you can uh, run tools in in the ides the integrated development environment there's support for that um, to collect measurements the support for actually um, summarizing those measurements, aggregating them into into good characterization of quality is uh, is, is more challenging. Um, so we have uh, done quite a bit of uh, research on that, how to do that, and um, uh, yeah, it goes a bit far to uh, to explain that uh, right now in detail. But the uh, maybe the gist of it is by collecting all these measurements aggregating in the in the right way you can uh, characterize the quality in a very objective manner and then start make your do your decision making on the basis of those facts yeah i mean i think that's really important and i would imagine that the the measurements and actually the standards even is something that you constantly have to go and look back and think are these holding up does this make sense for this project and um and continue to measure like you said, maintainability starts really early. Yeah, so I usually say that measurement is not the end of a discussion, it's the beginning of a discussion. So um, by the end of a discussion, I mean that you shouldn't try to have the measurements, have the facts in and then think you're done. You need to use them as the basis for your decision making. So it starts the discussion. So they're, uh, they're uh, something you need uh, to make your decision on. Another way to formulate it is don't... Um, uh, just trust blindly what comes out of that. You have to also put in your expert opinion and uh, interpret the situation properly uh, to make a decision. So maybe to make this more concrete, in case of duplication, if you at some point uh, go over this threshold that you have set beforehand, that means you have a decision to make. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily throw your code away. It means you have a decision to make. You have to look, okay, what happened here? Why did we go over this barrier? What did we do wrong? Probably we missed using particular abstraction mechanisms that are available, or uh, we have a junior person on the team that didn't know uh, the rules we set for ourselves yet. So you have to uh, do a bit of interpretation and um, yeah, uh, don't just uh, do blindly what the metrics tell you. I, that makes complete sense. And so you mentioned the uh, junior person on the team. So what what can you tell a person that's putting together an engineering team now? Um, you know, someone who has uh, experienced engineers, junior engineers. What would be the first couple of steps that you would take towards creating a team that um, 
looks at software quality as sort of like a number one concern? So, um, yeah, first step is to, to, to make this, this explicit, of course, to have a common understanding of what, what you mean by quality. Quality has many faces, and I think, so maintainability is one of them, security is, is one of them, and you have to make it explicit. And for instance, you can make it explicit in your um, in your in the issues you're picking up. So uh, you can have it in your work process. So for instance, when you commit, when you say I'm done with this issue, it's implemented, that you also check what the quality level is of what you have delivered. And if it's not appropriate, that means you're not done yet. So uh, definition of done is one of the uh, one of the uh, phrases here, of course. That is not just about which features are done. It's also about what how do you um, uh, deliver the code in what in what uh, shape uh, technically right right it's very interesting because it's you're taking um, you know general concepts that have, like you said like of quality which can mean a bunch of different things and you're making it very very specific and then measuring it and then continuing that um, throughout a project's lifetime and and beyond into the next project and then communicating that, uh, to the larger company. So, I mean, I think it's something that is very much needed in um, the software community. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys are uh, looking at that. Yeah, I think, so our, our vision is that this is um, something that the uh, software engineering discipline needs to mature further. Um, uh, like any engineering discipline, we need to be fact-based. We need to know what is quality, what isn't, have a common understanding and build on that to make excellent products. I think that's wonderful. I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. And um, I hope to talk to you again sometime. Thank you.